Hey, welcome to Inside the Album. I'm Don Seckler. He's Tommy Hilkin. How's it going there, Mr. Sex Pistol? Nice. Thank you. <laughs> like that's the first time I've been called that. It's <laughs> Actually, it is. <laughs> yeah, things are going great. I look, I look so forward today. I'm excited. I got a new wall. I moved into a new part of town. I borrowed a new wall for some guy. I'm ready to rock. Cool. Don. Awesome. It's good hey, that you have all these different walls you can work with. Today, I might call you Donnie Rotten throughout the show. Donnie Rotten. There you go. <laughs> so today we are doing... Never mind the Bullocks. Here's oh. the Sex Pistols, the uh, the one, the only studio album by the Sex Pistols, and the story behind this band and this album is, I think, can be summarized in one word, and it's chaos or or maybe mayhem. I mean, it's it's so that it's wow. insane what was happening with these guys. Uh, so we're going to dive into that, and it's a lot of fun. It's a, a legendary album that has inspired tons and tons and tons of bands after it, all the way through to today. The young punk bands still, you know, go back to the Sex Pistols as uh, influences. So I'm super excited about this. Remember, hit the like button, hit the share, hit the subscribe, tell your friends, have your grandma listen. It's super cool. We enjoy to have, we, you know, we love having a great, uh, wide, diverse audience, and we're happy to have everybody listening. Hoping you're enjoying the show. We also are uh, also working with a charity. So tell us about Music for Mark. Hey, thanks, Don. And yes, everyone, the reason we're putting this together is to bring notice to Music for Mark. It's a foundation we created for a longtime friend of our family who passed away. So it's called Music for Mark. What we're doing is we're bringing music lessons and musical instruments to the kids of the world. You know, any way we can get an instrument or lessons to a kid, bring music to the world is what we're looking to do. So musicformark.com. This year, we're going to have a big event. We're going to literally hand out guitars, keyboards, drum sets. We're looking forward to it. So if you can help us out, check out Music for Mark. And once again, I want to repeat, we're not looking for brand new instruments. If you have instruments sitting in your garage, sitting in your attic, let us know. We'll come pick them up. We'll put yeah. them together. We'll get them to some it, kids. Even if you've got a cheap old guitar that just never gets played, never gets used, yep. you know, we'd be very happy to have that. Please donate and check out musicformark.com. Beautiful. So let's talk about the Sex Pistols. So legendary punk band, the, uh, really the first British punk band, uh, came after the Ramones, of course. The Ramones are the first punk band, as we all know. <laughs> the band is made up of a, a multiple number of people are on this album because the band was, like I said before, this band was chaos. So the band members were changing, you know, in their, throughout their short tenure, they had a, a, a pretty broad roster. So you have Johnny Rotten, John Lydon, who everybody knows is the lead vocalist. Uh, Steve Jones actually played guitar, bass guitar, did backing vocals on this album. Paul Cook, rock solid drummer maybe the best musician in the band, I might even yeah. venture, venture to say. Uh, you had Glenn Matlock, who was in the band, then out of the band, but played on this album, even though he wasn't in the band at the time. And then you have the legendary Sid Vicious, was also a bass player who really could not play the bass. <laughs> So, you know, and, and there's some interesting things that, uh, you know, people, obviously Sid Vicious, uh, most people know, passed away from a drug overdose soon after the Sex Pistols kind of broke up. And that's a sad story. But, you know, the guy the guy was really he was more about attitude than musicianship, for sure. But it was punk, you know, yeah. and it this was something to throw something in there. You know, check out the movie Sid and Nancy if you want to find out about Sid. Amazing, amazing, amazing movie with an amazing performance. It's Gary Oldman, I think, who's said, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and at the time, punk was so new and and the Sex Pistols were so nasty. That's, uh, you know, that was their thing. They were out there to shock and tell people and, you know, give the British finger. <laughs> and, you know, they're cursing on live TV and spitting at the audience and all sorts of craziness. So, yeah. So it was really just like kind of mayhem. This album, this is their one and only studio album. And people say the Sex Pistols and they think it was, um, you know, 
a lot of people, I think, don't realize the band was only together for a year and a half. You know, it was a very short thing. They did the one album, they did a, that tour of the U.S., and and that was it. It kind of all imploded. And I think it was so intense that it just, there was no way it was going to last yeah. for any any extended period of time. You know, literally, the words would be pure insanity. Yeah. Truly, you know, and it came across in their music, but the idea of carrying that on for a career. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, people today who go to even like punk shows today, when you have the mosh pit and stuff, it's not anything close to I mean, they didn't really have mosh pits in 78. It was but it was it was a lot more violent back then. So with the Sex Pistols, it was like angry and smashing and violence. And, you know, they wanted the audience to hate them. That was part of the part of the, you know, the gig, part of the part of their allure, part of the, their style. You know, that was them. Yeah. And meanwhile, if you get spit on by Johnny Rotten, you go home feeling happy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So it was a whole different scene than what you would see in, you know, punk bands today. And, and you know, while they still can be aggressive, there was nothing, nothing ever measured back up to this, this early, uh, early punk stage in, in the late 70s. And so the album was released in October, at the end of October 1977. They started recording in March, so they did spend some time on the album. But again, I think a lot of that came back to this this kind of frenetic mayhem and chaos that was going on around the band and the and the band members and and what was happening at the time. And it's a similar time period to what we talked about last week with that first Van Halen album. So that yeah. that album was out. Again, we had Some Girls by the Rolling Stones. We had Bruce Springsteen on the charts. We had Blondie. We had Billy Joel. And these guys were the antithesis of all of that. Um, the other thing that was kind of popular at the time on the punk spectrum was the glam rock stuff like New York Dolls and uh, T-Rex, who I'm wearing today in two shirts nice. and Sweet and, you know, some of those bands that were a little bit more glammy and poppy. Yeah. And the Sex Pistols just had they took all that. And, you know, while they didn't, you know, they 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 posed a lot. So there was a lot of we hate these guys, but they didn't really personally hate them. They just were against that whole they just were against everything, basically. Right. I mean, there's no nothing positive in the song. Everything is an anti. So that's where that whole thing came from. Yeah. If it was in society, they didn't like it. End right. Of story. <laughs> but listen, man, you know, you're talking what what's that list of albums, you know, Parallel Lines is Blondie. That's what we're talking right. right? Huge. Some girls, huge. I, I mean, we were truly that year, 1977, you know, we're talking Van Halen, just great, great, great music. Just pull up the albums from that year and you'll have a ball. Yeah. And, you know, so that that was the kind of the mainstream stuff. And then these guys were just on the fringe with something that was so crazy at the time. But amazingly, the album sold a million and a half copies. It hit number one in the UK, even though it was banned on like TV and things like that. And the cover was banned because bullocks means balls. And, you know, so that's that was one thing that they, they had a lot of issues with the album be, cover being offensive and not they not wanting the uh the, the government didn't want the record stores to carry it and we'll, we'll get into some of those stories but it also was a, it was also number 41 on rolling stones list of the 500 greatest albums of all time and time magazine also listed it as one of the 100 greatest albums ever at the time, it was kind of crazy and and on the edge, and but now it's it's vastly regarded as as you know the the original one of the original punk albums, and one of the great albums of all time. And may I share on my wall of fame, it's it's in my top ten for me. It's one of the greatest albums I've ever listened to in my entire life. I, there's nothing I don't like about this album. But then again, think about it as a kid. What you're against everything yourself, right? So this is like actually resonating with you, this anti-everything, you know? Yeah. High school and getting a job and going to work and you're not ready for that. So you're like anti-everything. So it truly resonated. But not only that, I want to share this. The music in this album is fantastic. 
Yeah, it really is. There's yeah, so the songs are, are great for guys who really are not like the best musicians, you know, and we've talked about a lot of legendary players over the past yep. few weeks as we've yep. gone through. Uh, these guys are not the best musicians. They're not horrible. So, I mean, Sid can't play, but the well, guys Sid like yeah, yeah, the guys like Steve Jones and Glenn Matlock, good musicians, yeah. you know, yeah. but but it's not like legendary guys who you would you would list as as top players. Oh no, you wouldn't even think of it. When the album was released, by the time it was released, the Sex Pistols were super controversial. They've they had already sworn on live TV. They've been fired from two record labels. They've been banned from playing live in some parts of Great Britain. And then the album title, title, which is basically "Never Mind Your Balls." Here's the Sex Pistols. They, you know, that was a huge offensive thing to people at the time, and the record stores refused to carry it, and some of the charts refused to even list the title, and they just showed a blank space when they, you know, when it came to the name of the album. Well, so yeah. the landscape was a lot different. Where today you have you know songs that especially like in the in the rap area some of the titles and and can get very you know very graphic that was never happening this that this is the first time that happened so you know it's it, it was an interesting thing that these guys were kind of groundbreaking in really kind of pissing off everybody <laughs> pioneers my friend they're part look what it look what it led to now we're singing about every body part there is yeah right exactly there's a song out right now that's that's coming can't come to mind but i i know i know it's filthy right now it's out there yeah wap the uh <laughs> the cardi b song yeah so Thank you. yeah so that and that's a lot more graphic than the sex pistols ever were but you know at the time <laughs> it looked like choir boys yeah, yeah at, at the, time. the time this was groundbreaking and very and plus these guys had a very aggressive style they had an aggressive look they're in ripped shirts with you know uh, spiked hair, orange and green hair. That wasn't done back then. Now at grandma's wear, you know, green and orange hair. But back yeah. then nobody did it. So it was it yeah. was this whole thing that really was a shock factor. And, uh, you know, it actually adds to the music. It adds to, you know, when, when you see the videos of them playing live, that whole attitude really pushes it to another level. One of the big fashion statements back in the day was the baby pins. You know, going through your nipples and putting your rips in your shirts together with put back together with baby pins. Right. Going through your nose with a baby pin. I mean, it was, yeah, this is the time. I, that's why I'm smiling and laughing. It was a big part of my life. It was nuts. It really was. Uh, the album cover is pretty straightforward, and we'll show it here. Uh, you know, it's got kind of the cutout uh, hostage, we you know, ransom note type letters, but it was not, you know, it was pretty nondescript. It's just basically text on a background. It, I mean, it's still, I think, iconic, but there's not a lot of design to it other than those kind of, you know, hey, here's your ransom note type of letters on the cover. <laughs> We're coming for your kid. Yeah, right. But again, I you know that that kind of reinforces that menacing thing that they were going for. Mm -hmm. And so the album was originally going to be titled "God Save the Sex Pistols." They ended up, uh, you know, switching that up. And and the the way it happened was Steve Jones kind of came up with the title. He said he picked up the phrase "Never mind the bullocks" from two fans who would always say it to one another. When they talked to Johnny Rotten, he said he explained it its meaning as working class expression to stop talking rubbish. People are seeing it and saying, oh my God, testicles. No, it's, it was a casual ex expression to be real, you know, be more real and, and stop talking bullshit. That's what I always said. For, for me, it was always never, never mind the bullshit was really right. what it came in. In a, in a U.S. phrase, it would be, you know, never mind the bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what they were, and that was a big part of what they tried to do too, is they were trying to be real and there was no pretense and they were going to call people out and, and they did that in several songs. So they had, uh, the police were would be going around to the Virgin Records store in London and they went in there and told them that they were going to face prosecution for indecency if they continued to display posters of the album in their wow. windows. And so most of the stores toned the posters down or took them down completely. Wow. There was even a record store manager in Nottingham who was arrested for displaying the record after being warned he had to cover up the word bullocks. 
in the end, he went to court and was found not guilty. So he didn't really, you know, do any time for it. But it was interesting that, you know, guys in record stores were getting uh, getting arrested for over it. Hey, what are you in for, man? <laughs> I had to display a poster. I'm in for the Bullocks. <laughs> And here's part of the mayhem that was happening. So they're trying to get a record deal. They're playing and and they're, they got this, you know, fervor going. It's definitely not mainstream, but it, they were getting popular with the kids in London. And they were very close to completing a deal with A&M Records in March of 77. So they entered the studio and started recording they they started having Sid play on some of the songs and they just figured out, okay, he's not going to cut it here. He just is, can't really play. Right. So they, they then went back and and then Malcolm McLaren, who was the, the manager, went to back to Glenn Matlock and tried to get him to come back to the band because he had left, asked him to play bass. And so he agreed to do that, but he wanted to be paid beforehand. He was afraid he wasn't going to get paid. So then he ended up actually coming back and playing a little bit, but they actually had to use Steve Jones to play some of the ba bass tracks on the yeah. uh, in the or original recording. Yeah, they really needed studio musicians. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it really, you know, it's again, this kind of mayhem and, and everything's kind of just like spinning with these guys all the time. Then, uh, as they're going through, they get dropped by A&M. Claren tells them to continue to work on the record, and he's starting to reach out to other labels. He gets rejected by CBS, Decca, an album label called Pi, one uh, Polydor, and the last one standing was Virgin. So in May, they signed a deal with Virgin. Two weeks later, they rushed out God Save the Queen as a single before the album came out. So they, again, this kind of frantic, frenetic stuff where, the, you know, these deals are falling apart and they're just pushing stuff out and, and trying to keep that momentum going. Yeah, you know, it, it was time to be heard. They had to get something out there. Yeah. So interesting story about when they were in the studio, uh, you know, and there was a lot of drug use and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one day they were recording and Sid Vicious stumbled into the same recording room as the band Queen, who happened to be there. And so uh, Sid Vicious goes up to Freddie Mercury and he says, have you brought ballet to the masses yet? <laughs> so Freddie Mercury stands up and responds, are you Simon Ferocious or something? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, what are you going to do it? And he grabs Sid by the collar and physically throws him out of the room. Uh, you know, people knew Freddie Mercury was gay, I think, at, at, even at that time. And and I don't know, Sid, you know, being all Mr. Tough Guy is going to go, you know, give the, the gay guy a hard time. And, and Freddie stood stood up and had nothing, had none of it. You know, he threw him right out. So uh, that was interesting. And then after, uh, you know, they had all these issues where they were cursing on TV and then they got banned at a lot of live venues. Um, they had to go out and tour undercover. So they called themselves Spots, the Sex Pistols on tour secretly. <laughs> <laughs> and so it. so that's the kind of stuff you know the lengths that they were going to to you know yeah. get out there and perform and and do what they needed to do i like that that's great stuff all right let's dive into the songs and yeah. it was start off with the opener this is holidays in the sun uh yeah
So th this song actually came about because the band decided to go as a group and actually go on vacation, or as they say in the UK, holiday. Holiday. I don't know why I'm air quoting. They actually say that, but. <laughs> <laughs> so they went to the Channel Islands and just got rejected. Like no place would have them because of the way they looked. They found themselves just being banned everywhere. They wouldn't let them stay at any of the hotels. They marched up and down the beaches looking for a place to stay. And the whole thing became, you know, Johnny Rotten said the whole thing became really pathetic. And they bumped into a local gang and they helped them out and gave them a place to stay for an evening. And then they left. The song is actually about them trying to take a vacation, which is interesting. Yeah. Brilliant lyrics. Yeah. So they also, Sid Vicious actually got smashed, I think, in the face with a bottle by Paul Weller from The Jam, which is another punk band at the time. Yeah. And there was a song by The Jam called In the City. And Holiday in the Sun sounded like that a little bit. And Sid went down to Speakeasy Club in London, which was kind of a rock star after hours hangout. And he went up to Paul Weller and started giving him crap about the song that sounded so much to, you know, the, the Sex Pistols song. And Paul just turned around and smashed him with a bottle. So. Hold on a second. <laughs> no, I don't mean me. I'm done doing the bottle. <laughs> but that's punk life, right? I mean, if you're a real life punk, that's just, I guess that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seeing someone bleed is a good thing. <laughs> Interesting. Very interesting. Great, great, great song. Great opening track. Just a great song. Yeah, it does. I mean, it really, that song really kind of sets the tone for the album. And it's a, definitely a great opener. Uh, so let's talk about number two. This is Bodies. <laughs> and this one is a lesser known, really, I think. Oh, my God. This is the song of songs. It's insane. So this song is about a, uh, a very crazy, delusional person who's kind of like a stalker. And, you know, back then they didn't have that term, but that's what we call it today. And she was turning up all the time, had a bad attitude, but she was very clingy. And then the whole thing is she gets pregnant. So <laughs> the song is, is actually about an abortion. Oh, yeah. He, there's a line there's a line or a section at the end uh where he's he the lyrics are fuck this fuck that fuck it all and fuck the fucking brat i don't want a baby that looks like that i don't want a baby that looks like that so it's pretty angry kind of you know reaction to this it's a crazy situation the, but, the, the words mommy i'm not an animal yeah right as he screams like an animal but so it, the, it, it, to me the energy on this is just oh. through the roof this is a song yes. that where people if if it was today people are going to get in the pit they're, this is oh. a you know they're going to be on the floor in the mosh pit for this the greatest the greatest when growing up the greatest drinking sing-along song that ever came along was bodies when you were with your friends, man. It was the, it was just pure insanity. Everybody taking their part. I'm not an <laughs> I swear to God, dude. I told you I was gonna get back some great memories here. That's good. I like that one. Of, yeah. The oh, the best of the best. What a sing along. Yeah. What a sing along. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is. I still get together with my friends. Not too long ago, I sat in my buddy's backyard, just me and him. And we put it on, man. We sang the whole album. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah. You can't help but. It's the best. Yeah. 
All right, next song up is No Feelings. So this song is originally it was Steve's idea and he was trying to do a little bit kind of a New York Dolls type of thing, even though the Sex Pistols were kind of against that glam scene that was on. But Glenn Matlock said that his bass line in here is kind of a, a hats off or a tribute to the guy who was playing bass for David Bowie on Spiders from in the Spiders from Mars uh, era, uh, Trevor Boulder. So that's interesting. Okay. So even yeah. though even though they didn't weren't fans of the glam thing, they still you know they didn't a hate the dolls personally. I think they actually knew them and and were personable, right. but they didn't like the scene. They, they respected Bowie the most out of that scene i guess that was the the takeaway i got there wow yeah great song i was like no feelings for anybody else my beautiful self (laughs) yeah and well and johnny rotten who wrote the you know wrote all the lyrics uh he wrote it because his dad was sponsoring a lot of orphans at the time one of these kids a girl just became too attached to him and he had to tell her look i have no feelings for you just because my dad's letting you stay at his house this weekend doesn't mean you can marry me (laughs) a little blunt but yeah but he's you know so he was saying you know these kids were a little desperate and very clingy to every anybody that they could find and that translated very quickly into you know feelings of love and and he said it's a false love it's more desperation he's he actually says these days that he felt a little hurt for them or or sorry for them in that right. respect but the song really doesn't have any empathy in it in the act in you know in the end it's the exact opposite of what he was feeling personally you know it shows you and i i see this as i read a lot of of what uh, johnny rotten has said about these songs it was an act for him you know he wasn't he he wasn't this guy who hated all these people he went out of his way to say he really didn't it was just this was the attitude that came with this band and they were on this wave and they were gonna you know ride it when they wrote these songs yeah he became a character he became johnny rotten yeah think about it yeah definitely and so like he had a good upbringing his father's you know adopting kids i mean obviously good people yeah so you know and that's that's another thing that points back to it's you know with him it's it's a bit of an act it's you know it it's not just his he's not just a jerk in in real life although you see him be a a jerk a lot if you've ever seen him so (laughs) i think he grew into jerk yeah even today he still fights with people so it was weird i saw him uh, maybe two years ago on a panel with uh marky ramon uh, and he almost like got into a fist fight with Marky Ramon. You know, <laughs> it's like, come on, dude, you're you guys are both in your sixties, and you know, it's it's maybe it's Marky time to settle got, down Marky a little got bit. Nobody to back him up. No, yeah, no, Marky's all last uh, <laughs> last man standing. Up. Yes, he is. So let's move on to the next track. This one is liar. So good, right? <laughs> so good. 
So, you know, these guys are not generally subtle with their lyrics. You know, they're very direct. And, and that's one of the things I think a lot of people love about them. And so Johnny Rotten said that this song was inspired by many people, starting with Malcolm McLaren, their manager. These guys, they were, he said they were hap hapless, Johnny said they were hapless young idiots, and they were really unprepared for the world of greed and adulthood that they were thrown into so quickly. And again, so, you know, it's this chaos and mayhem. These, these guys are kids at the time, and everyone was getting their piece of, uh, influence and whispering in their ear and that would cause a lot of division and so he, he got to the point where instead of just like accepting that and kind of dealing with the division he would unleash his unleash his derision over that through these songs but he did say that the song isn't totally about malcolm mclaren he said it, it was just uh, uh, all these people around them that were constantly you know giving them bullshit so he's aiming mostly at people outside the band, people who are trying to maneuver their way into what they saw as a way to make money, you know? That yeah, was the music industry back then, man. <laughs> you had to work your way through it. Yeah. There's no way around it. Right. And a lot of bands just kind of put up with it and dealt with it and moved on. These guys were having none of it, you know? They were yeah. kids. They didn't give a shit. And they were basically, okay, you're going to do this to us. I'm going to write a song that talks about what an, what an asshole you are. <laughs> put it on an album that you're going to sell. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but you, you think about these songs as we go along, the intros, right? They're just... They're just a thing of beauty, right? They're just, they're simple. Everything I love about music is right there. And when you when you hear, you know, Johnny Light and Johnny Rotten singing, he's perfect. His voice is perfect. Oh, yeah. It, you know, he's got the sneer. He's got the anger. He's got the angst. The tempo is just yeah. spot on with fuck you you know every line bad, you know? every every line is like a punch in the face and that's you know <laughs> right you know it's, you're right it's like ah, ah. right yeah ah so good so all right let's move on to god save the queen Glenn Matlock came up with the riff for this and the main set of chord changes when they were starting to do the first recordings on Anarchy in the UK. Mm. Johnny Rotten said, you know, the lyrics in this song were a fun thing. <laughs> he was expressing his point of view on the monarchy in general. And pretty much anybody that like is looking for you to obligate yourself to them with no thought. He said, that's unacceptable to me. So you have to earn the right to call on my friendship and my loyalty. And like you it. have you have to have a value proven points in order for him to support you. That's how it is. So he wasn't a guy who was going to blindly give his devotion. Fair enough. And it wasn't, you know, the song was not about, it, originally the song was called No Future. They were after, sorry. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Glenn said that the song was originally called No Future. When it came out and after he had left the band, it occurred to somebody, maybe it was like Malcolm, the manager, although the words were never changed, it was the Queen's Silver Jubilee when the song was coming out. And the first song, uh, first line is God Save the Queen, so why don't we call it that? But he said on the early set list when they played it, it was called No Future. At the end of this song, harmonizing no fuse. yeah yeah that's the best right oh it's the best and you can be pointing at everybody no future for you yeah yeah, yeah. This, this is why it worked it was just 
believe it or not, the energy was through the roof, but it was fun. You know, I mean, this is yeah. rock and roll. At its yeah, best. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love saying the word rock and roll. <laughs> so Johnny, uh, Johnny also said that the song was kind of misunderstood as a personal attack on the on the monarchy, on the queen herself. Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't. He said it was about the institution, but not about them as people. And he actually said they have his heartfelt sympathy as people because he feels like they were born into this birdcage that they could never get out of. So, uh, you know, I mean, this is from him saying this now. So I don't know yeah. if they, those were his thoughts at the time. But, you know, he does have a realistic perspective on it and understands, you know, that it's not just those specific people. What a great way to look at it. Born into a birdcage, man. That's that right? makes sense. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Crazy good and just legendary, legendary song. Turn it up. Yeah. All you gotta do is turn it up. Let's take a listen to problems. Let's. Problem is you. Yes. So when he's saying that, Johnny Rotten said that it's really everyone, including yeah. himself. Yeah. You know, he said he thinks that everybody's unhappy with themselves when they're a teenager. And that's, you know, kind of par for the course. But he said that's what, you know, being a teenager is. It's the angst and unhappiness with yourself. And now you're getting into this world of decision making and you're not really prepared for it. And you try to fight that off. And again, he said it's chaos. So that that theme of just, you know, crazy chaos is just repeating here over and over again with these guys. The way you're taking us down, it sounds like Johnny Rotten was prophetic. It's these things I'm hearing about. <laughs> yeah, well, this is stuff that he's said since then, like looking <laughs> back. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know that this is how he felt at the time, but, you know, that. I think it, it might be a bit of hindsight and maturity now, but you know, I, what he says is right. When you're a kid, you don't think you think you're invincible. You think everybody's against you. They don't know what they're talking about. You think your parents are stupid. And you know, that's something that most people go through, if not everybody, right? Exactly what I'm saying about how much this album resonated with me. It's full of anger. And you know, when you're 17, 18, you know, 16, anger, you know, you don't know what's going on. You're unsure of everything. So it's a way to really get out and get rid of your anger is to go to these shows and kind of thing and thinking about it. Right? Yeah. We well, got to release this anger. I'm going to release it at the show. Yeah. Perfect way to do it. Right. And this kind of music lends itself to that. It's, it's an expression and you're getting everything out, you know, it's, everything. So the other thing was that Johnny said that he said it wasn't that we not only appeared to the public that we didn't like each other, the band, he thinks that we, they didn't gen, genuinely didn't. Right. He said it was the longest year and a half he ever lived. And he thinks they all feel that way. He said it feels like a solid decade was crammed into this tiny space of time. And it was mentally draining and exhausting. So, you know, it just goes to show you that you, you can't, this is, being this intense is something that's hard to pull off for a long period of time and and keep it up oh no doubt how much dude if you have 18 months of that much anger you're not going to do well <laughs> yeah yeah the other thing interesting thing that i i uncovered here is that uh lemmy had once said to uh to sid vicious back in the day Sid, you're tone deaf, you know? So he said, Lemmy said Sid had all the poses down, but that was it, you know, he yeah. couldn't really play. But they said, so what? That's sometimes, you know, Johnny said, sometimes that's what they needed and that's what they got. Uh, and Johnny brought Sid into the band. So he says, it's my fault for bringing him in. And it introduced a whole bunch of new problems. And he said, well, in the end, we got a song out of it. There you go. <laughs> 
I like it. So let's take a listen to the next song, and this one is 17. Are you a lazy sod? Dude, just just the, <laughs> the, the harmonies are just so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so this song was started before Johnny Rotten was even in the band. So it was an older song that they had around and they reworked it. Uh, he ended up titling at 17 because that's the age when everything hurts the most. Because mm -hmm. you're not quite an adult, but you're not want to be, you don't want to be viewed as a kid. You're not prepared for adult head, adulthood. Adult head. Um, <laughs> you never prepared for that. But he did say, uh, Johnny Rotten did say that it was a, a reference to Alice Cooper's 18. So he said he titled this 17 and he thought, well, Americans start late anyway, so we'll be one younger. <laughs> great. I love that. So that's great. And so, hey, 19. Yeah, right. See the whole chain. Yeah. So let's take a listen to the next tune, which is probably the most famous and most uh, well-known Sex Pistols songs, Anarchy in the UK. Mm -hmm. right. Anarchy. Uh, <laughs> Johnny like Rotten. Legendary guitar, legendary oh, guitar yeah. riff. Yeah, great legendary. riff. Just an awesome, oh, amazing, yeah. amazing song. It's been covered a million times by a million different yeah. bands. Always good. But uh, oh. Johnny Rotten said that he always thought that Anarchy was a mind game for the middle class. He said it's considered a luxury. You know, you can only be afforded the, the uh, luxury of anarchy when everything is okay. So it's kind of like, you know, almost ironic or redundant. I don't know what you would say, but he also said the song doesn't offer any answers. It just kind of asks these questions, you know, about anarchy and, and what you want to, you know, be going on in your life. Glenn Matlock said he was trying to emulate James Jamerson from the Funk Brothers on bass. I don't wow. hear that at all, but, you know, <laughs> to me, it's straight ahead punk bass. So, yeah. yeah. It's good that he knows about the Funk Brothers. Yeah, really? yeah. Well, but it shows you that, you know, all these musicians, every time we talk about musicians, we find that they have interesting things that they listen to that are in no way related to what they do. Right. You but know, it's music. but it's music. Right. So it right. just shows you that even though this guy's a punk, you know, he's listening to funk. Yeah. <laughs> funk to funk. <laughs> but dare I say, it's rock and roll. It is rock and roll. 
The other thing was that uh, Glenn Matlock didn't like the line, I am an antichrist, I am an anarchist. Mm. And it wasn't because he was religious or anything. He just didn't like it because it didn't rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. So, you know, uh, interesting point of view on that. But it fits. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely kind of punk rock, right? It's very simplistic. I think we're trying to complicate things here, fellas. Yeah, right, exactly. So that's if punk is nothing else, if not straight ahead, you know, and, and simple. So let's take a listen to number nine track. This is Submission. So this song, again, this is kind of one of the less popular songs, I think, on the record. But how this came about, Malcolm McLaren had said to them, why don't you write a song called Submission? And so the guys said, what, like about bondage and domination and all that? And somebody's like, yeah, I guess so. And then somebody said, how about we make it a submarine mission? So (laughs) kind of diverted, I think, from the original uh, idea or concept. If but you listen jo- in, you can hear that there's a mixture of the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, yeah. Johnny said that he this was the uh, the best time he ever had writing a song with Glenn. He said they just wanted to get drunk and sneery at each other, but they got through that early in you know this writing process, and then they just started to really write well. Even though it was this whole idea of submission, they ended up turning into this, again, this submarine mission idea. (laughs) One of my all-time favorites, submission. So here's another track. This is number 10. This one is is very, very popular. I think uh, most people know it. This is Pretty Vacant. Mm -hmm. Cool riff right at the beginning here. Good entry. The idea for this song came from actually a band flyer that they had found. Malcolm was in, I think, in London and came back with flyers from shows and set lists and stuff like that. But none of the bands, they were all bands that didn't have record deals at the time, so they were out playing. And one of them said Blank Generation, and that got Glenn Matlock thinking about how there was nothing going on in London. There was this real air of despondency and desperation. And that was the impetus for the pretty vacant idea. Yeah. It's one of my favorite lyrics. There's no point in asking you'll get no reply. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the opening line. It's just one of my favorites. Man. I just always love that. And this song, as it goes on, you know, they just keep singing, pretty vague, hit with vague. And it's just the best, the best. So here's something that you probably don't know, but let me ask you. Did you know it was inspired by ABBA? 
Wow. wow. So Glenn had a set of chord changes in the lyrics, but they were short of a riff. And he was looking for something melodic. And he heard something on our ABBA record and it inspired the riff that he actually came up with. And uh, he mentioned the ABBA influence in an interview once, and the bass player from ABBA got his address and started sending him te uh, Christmas cards for about 10 years. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's a nice story. Yeah, right? And that's ABBA, great. that's the exact opposite of the Sex Pistols. You know? Exactly opposite. But what a band ABBA, man. They yeah. took over the world. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, cover ABBA if you're up to it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll put it on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> I will sing Dancing Queen if you if we do it. Okay. All right. We're doing ABBA next week. <laughs> I'm all in. So the other thing about Pretty Vacant was that uh, they played so loud when the rehearsal that for months uh john had you know was singing the lyrics and uh glenn didn't know for months that he had changed the lyrics in the second verse and the whole reason was because nobody could hear him and it was so loud so <laughs> <laughs> just played through it yeah yeah so the next song up is number 11 on our hit parade here and this one this one is actually uh inspired by the new york dolls and it's the song new york Better keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you know, uh, John, again, Johnny Rotten. And again, maybe this is hindsight, you know, years, years later, decades later. But he says yeah. it, it wasn't a personal attack. He, he said at the time in England, at this time, they were like overrun by glam rock. So it was, they had Sweet, T-Rex, Bowie, you know, and he said Bowie was the kind of the one they respected out of that group uh, right. and, you know, came out of that whole period very well. But he said there were a lot of bands like that where they were in tight pants and lipstick and he was like, enough oh. already enough yeah. you know and i i get it you get a little tired of that and some of those and those bands i like a lot of them but they're not you know they're not go-to legendary bands i'm even wearing a t-rex shirt today i like t-rex a lot but you yeah. know if they're not uh you know that they, they didn't have the staying power that a lot of these other bands had well the dolls you know they had johnny thunders uh went on and did his own thing david johansson aka buster poindexter they all went their own separate ways, the dolls, and they still made it in the music industry. Joe yeah. Hansen still plays. Oh, yeah. Thunders is gone. But, you know, in the song, they they reference Max's Kansas. It's a to reference to Max's Kansas City, which was one of the best punk places in the city. So you had CBGBs and you had Max's were the two places to go. Yeah. To play. So if you got to play either one of those, that's why they say you're standing there playing Max's Kansas. Uh, right, right. You're there. You're such a hotshot playing Max's. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, you know, and I think a little bit too was that you know I know that they Johnny Rotten loved the 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 Ramones and was actually like a little afraid of them, you know. So I heard stories where he was saw them and you know kind of snuck in the back so he would they wouldn't see him and he was afraid they were going to beat the crap out of him, wow. you know. So I think. I think there was I think that while they had this kind of anti New York American punk thing, it was little I think there was a little bit more respect there than than they like to let on, you know? 
between me and you, I'm sitting here, I'm saying to myself, tell me, who was the fighter in the remote? <laughs> well, but they're big guys, you know, they were tall. Yeah, and Joey. Johnny Rotten's a short little guy, and you know, and and the Ramones are were were wearing those biker jackets. They look like you know, yeah. they look like they could fight. I don't think they were fighters, but yeah. you wouldn't, you know, you take a, you might go to the other side of the street if you saw them coming down yeah, the street in the '77. Yeah, Johnny Ramone looked angry. DD yeah. looked nuts. So it was a good combination. Yeah, right. right, right. Yeah, I mean, you knew you weren't going to get beat up by Joey, but Johnny, I would be, I would, I wouldn't want to be on Johnny Ramone's yeah. bad side. <laughs> Johnny was angry his whole time. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of sad. I think you know, right before he died, he was actually uh, good friends with Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam, and they, they like Eddie was around a lot right when before Johnny died. And uh, I had heard him say that Johnny had kind of softened up a little bit, at least yeah. at, towards the end. Um, but the Ramones story is so sad how all those guys are gone uh, and just, yeah. you know. Dude, oh. the legends of rock and roll. With so many, yeah. We know it. We're losing them. Uh, let's talk about the album Closer. And again, this is a really well-known, great song, and it's the song EMI. So this song, again, comes out of all their trouble with all these record companies that are going to sign them, not going to sign them. And so they said that EMI wanted to sign them because they were like so different from everything else that they had. But when Johnny talked to these guys, he said that they were just so commercial and it was all these old hippies who were now in, you know, in with the uh, establishment in the record industry. Um, and so it was just, the, the, it was like everything they were against and they just wanted to try and get them onto the label to, you know, again, capture some of that um, excitement and momentum that the Sex Pistols had, that, which is, you know, it's like a flare, it just goes off quick and then it's gone, but they figured they could cash in on it. And that was, you know, where this, a lot of this comes from. And they just outright telling the middle leaders, stay away. Too many people support us. And yeah, I, I love right. That, you know? It's yeah. like, we don't, you think we need you, but we don't need you kind of thing, you know? Well, yeah, you got to stand up. And that's why this song means, you know, when you think about it, this was their fighting back against the money makers in the industry. For real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you, and it's a great, great song and just so much energy. Love it. I got to share it with you. Uh, this is my number one go-to song when I need that mindset shift. Number nice. one, I'll go in, put it on as loud as I can. It does everything I need. I want to share it to all the listeners, everybody listening in. You got to take this album. You got to listen to it because these songs actually get progressively better as they go on through to the end. These songs close out with such power. So get out there. Get Nevermind the Bullocks. Got to listen to it. Got it. Yeah. And that's it. It's a great legendary album. And, and you know, in, if you like punk at all, it's definitely the roots of, of punk rock as we as we know it today. Yeah. So never mind the Bullocks. Thank you for listening. And next week, Tom, we're going to do Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This is great. This is, this is what it's all about right here, man. I I'm thought you'd so like cool. that one. Ah, come on. <laughs> it, it, listen, everything we're covering is just amazing and fantastic. Some of the greatest music ever made. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. So good. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome. All, All right, right. John. Good to be with you, man. Good to be with you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Check out InsideTheAlbum.com. Check out the merch store there. We got lots of cool t-shirts, including the record insert t-shirt. We've had a lot of questions about where can I get that? And you can get that right on our uh, merch store at InsideTheAlbum.com. Awesome. Thanks for Thanks, listening. Everybody. And we'll see you next week. All right, see you.